Welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, August 30th, 2023, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are so grateful to have not just one guest, not just two guests, but three guests, a panel of folks that are going to come and talk about such an important program here at Lifeline, a program called Heritage Builders. And, you know, we talk a lot about foster care and kids in foster care. We talk a lot about permanence in foster care. We even talk about how do we get kids reunified back to their families in foster care. But the sad reality is that most kids are going to age out of our foster care system. The truth of the matter is, even of those kids that age out of our foster care system, 70% will end up populating the next generation's foster care system. They will have children that will inhabit next generation's foster care system. And so it is so important that we come alongside of those kids who are about to age out, kids that are on the brink of aging out, and we reach them with life skills, we reach them with job skills, we reach them with community and support and care, and ultimately the gospel of Christ Jesus. That's what's going to reorient and change and redirect their lives. And so we're so grateful today to have uh, Brent Blanks, as well as Jason Williams and Aaron Williams, to talk about what we see happening with Heritage Builders, specifically uh, at a local church here in Birmingham. A couple of things I do want to just reiterate about Heritage Builders and even remind you about Heritage Builders. And this, let this be our uh, our call to action today is maybe you and your church need to get engaged with Heritage Builders. It, older youth in foster care, they're facing challenges. They, they need to know how to live independently. Without intervention, these youth often leave the foster care system with little to no positive, and again, positive adult support, limited knowledge on basic life skills, limited resources. And like we say, this results in, in future uh, higher percentages of unplanned pregnancy, school dropouts, uh, victims of trafficking, abuse of future children, and chronic homelessness. But there is a way to step in with hope in the gospel. And so through Heritage Builders, Lifeline equips the church to invest in the lives of these youth, both practically and spiritually. And your church can be part of the life trajectory of these vulnerable youth. So you can always visit our website at lifelinechild.org to learn more. You'll see ways to partner in the church drop down. Because we're a people of the dash, you can also go to lifelinechild.org backslash heritage dash builders. And again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash heritage heritage dash builders. As I said, we are, are so grateful to be joined by Jason Williams and Aaron Williams and, and Brent Blanks. And uh, Brent is a, a marriage and family therapist who has led three Heritage Builders Healthy Relationship Sessions for Teens in Foster Care. Jason Williams has consistently been committed to Heritage Builders for two years now, and as we'll probably talk about in a minute, while he has a heart for it, he doesn't have a whole lot of choice because he is married to the director of Heritage Builders. So um, we all know how that is. He's there because he wants to be, but if he didn't want to be, he'd still be there. Uh, he's also lent his professional expertise in, in preparing for jobs, resume building tips, and mock interviews in the small group. Uh, he's been an important presence to connect with male teens who are, are doing the monthly life skills uh, training. Also, Aaron is, as I said, the, the program director for Heritage Builders. 
Um, and we've got a family affair here because Brent is Aaron's sister. And, and one of the things to even take that family affair before we bring on the venerable Dr. Rick is Aaron. That means Aaron and Brent's maiden name are Newell, and my last name is Newell. So we got a lot of Newells here. We got a lot of Williams here. And all that really does is it presents to say we only have one Dr. Rick, the venerable Dr. Rick, the one that everybody looks to, knows to, loves to hear from, the guy that is the the voice of the Defender podcast, the one who signs books, who who has people standing in line for his autograph and for a, a conversation and a cup of coffee. Dr. Rick, what a great opportunity to take this time to learn and, and talk about Heritage Builders. Well, I think it's too bad that this is an audio podcast because if, if folks could see what we see, we look like, you know, family squares today or the Brady Bunch, one or the other, you know, and I feel like, I feel like I'm like, I'm the only one that's not a part of the family. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and say like Brent and I've known each other for a long time because uh, her husband and I were a part of uh, starting a Bible study company many years ago and uh, back in 19 none of your business. And, and so, um, so I feel like I get to be grafted into this as well. You know, the other thing that occurs to me that I know that this is going to be a successful podcast is that the URL had a dash in it. So um, it's officially a lifeline URL if it has a dash. So heritage dash builders, y'all, y'all go out there and find it. Um, we're going to get that fixed one of these days. Um, so I, I'm just, um, so incredibly excited about this conversation, but, uh, but even more so about heritage builders, because I, I think, you know, Herbie, you and I can testify to the fact that this is the, this is really the culmination of a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, a lot of years of dreaming about seeing something um, similar to to what began our global orphan care program, unadopted, um, ministering to kids that are aging out of the system, whatever system it is, it's provided them permanence and 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 helping them to be connected to the community, of the church and. And now we've seen we've seen that come to the U.S. and and in large part because um, Aaron, because God gave you a vision and and you know God burned something in your heart and it's just an incredible story that we'll save and tell some other time. But um, but just the way that even you found your way to Lifeline and the way that that the Lord connected us together and you know took a dream that that you had. Um, and, and we're willing to step out of a corporate career and a lot of, you know, a lot of things in order to, to be able to see this realized. And so it's, uh, it's fun to get to get to talk about this because we've seen God do so much already, um, you know, even just to get us to this point. Um, and so like with all of that wind up, <laughs> really, I'd love it if you could just kind of tell people about, you know, like what Heritage Builders is and about the, you know, kind of the purpose of the life skill classes and for teens and, and, and why, why Heritage Builders is necessary. Thank you both so much. This is such a great opportunity for me to share really what God, what God, God alone is doing through his people and the ministry of Lifelines Heritage Builders. And I am delighted to have two very dear people to me. Um, that are here joining me today. And they have been faithfully involved, as Herbie said, in Heritage Builders over the past two years here in Alabama. 
as we have spent time learning best approach um, to working with teens in foster care, and you will have the privilege of hearing from them in just a few minutes. But let me tell you about Heritage Builders. It is a church-led ministry specifically designed to minister to teenagers who are currently living in foster care as they look to prepare for their futures once they age out or leave the system. Why is this needed? Like, what is the problem with that? Well, Herbie also mentioned that aging out youth do not have the support that they need to succeed and be productive beyond the system, beyond foster care. And without intervention, and when I say without intervention, I really mean the church, the church filling in the gaps to put into place protective factors, these teams will continue in negative generational cycles. And when we say that this ministry is church-led, we mean that the oversight of the ministry and the man manpower are the church and its members, folks like you and me, really fresh off the pews, but are nudged by God to take a step. And we believe that the Lord has given the Heritage Builders framework to help churches provide spiritual and practical supports, those that would be most meaningful to teenagers as they prepare for emerging into adulthood and that we can best accomplish this through the body of Christ by providing relationship, education, and connections to resources. So those are the three primary components of Heritage Builders. But the education component is really where we start as these life skills classes serve as a catalyst for local churches to build relationships and a trust-based relationship with child protective services. Or, and the reason that this really is important is because, and imperative really, is because they are the gatekeepers of the teenagers. Um, they are in the custody of the state. Um, and so by a local church providing excellent life skills, and you can think of these um, ranging on any topic that a parent would want to teach his or her own child, we are really kind of coming alongside or collaborating with CPS and fulfilling one of its requirements and help these teens learn who have been entrusted into their care. So within the context of the life skills classes, there are numerous ways for church volunteers to help with the hosting and facilitating of these classes. And we're going to get to hear more about that now. Great question, Rick. Um, and, and first, let me say, you know, that's one of the wonderful parts and aspects of, of the Heritage Builders structure is it's through practical teaching, life skills, um, I'm indicting myself, but, but we're teaching about things like laundry, things I still need to learn as an older adult. And so those are, you know, those are practical things that are built into the, into the curriculum to help bait, you know, that's the foundation to begin the conversation. Um, I, I could point to one particular example, you know, preparing for, for job interviews and just, you know, interpersonal uh, tips. And, you know, those, those are critical, those are critical skills that, that everybody needs to have, you know, access to learning to better their chances. Um, Brent, you nailed it. You know, part of that discussion, small group discussion is looking the teens in the eye and making sure they hear with no, no doubt, no hesitation. You're made in God's image. You're valuable. You have a hope. You have a future. And then let's let's work toward what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? Now let's go through, you know, how do you project yourself? How do you talk about your skills? And so that's been a real practical one. Actually, that's where I feel like I fit in most in this is, is serving in that capacity to help these teens as they think ahead to the future of how they can have have work to provide for themselves. Um, and the curriculum, the life skills curriculum is really what sets the foundation for that. Make no mistake, the emphasis and the objective is we want to make sure we're having gospel conversations. And we do that by having, you know, a life skills curriculum or a lesson that opens up the conversation. Next thing you know, relationships are formed and you have a young person in our Sunday school class that's learned to trust these young adults that have been a consistent present presence at these monthly classes. They know their names. They're checking up on them. And that, the Holy Spirit opens the, the door there. Yeah, and Aaron, I, I love what you say. And of course, even as you start, you know, the, the, the success of Heritage Builders and really any of the programs here at Lifelines is that they are church-based because the church is there. And so, you know, Brent and Jason, I, I would just love for y'all to talk about your involvement with Heritage Builders. Uh, obviously, how it's been important being a part of a local church system as opposed to a outside system or a social service system. And, and just describe your experience being a part of Heritage Builders. 
Karen, hearing you talking about the uh, mission and the purpose of Heritage Builders gets me so excited and just really honored to be here because as you're talking about it, I, I see you walking around the room in our church walls. I see the volunteers. I see the teens. And it just, it comes to life what is happening in our local church. And um, so I'm so excited and honored to be here today to share just a little bit of my experience and having the honor to um, help out with some of the life, um, life skills classes, as you mentioned. Uh, but really, not only, I guess, what drew me in was, yes, as Rick said, Erin being my sister um, and hearing her heart for this program, but it started a little earlier and it was when I met... Um, my husband, Andy, who Rick also mentioned, and his family, they were, they had a foster child in their home at the time that I met them. And um, this was not their first foster child. They had had, I think over 20 at that point come through their home. And one of the first things uh, when I was talking to Andy's mother, Sue, about her, like what brought you to having all these foster children come through your home? What's the driving force? And she just simply said, it's just what you do. When you love the Lord and you are a Christ follower, it's just what you do. We know that James 1 27 talks about how we are to look after and love on and take care of the widows and the orphans. And so it's not something out of the ordinary or something that is for just certain people. Um, maybe the way that you play a role in it is obviously there are going to be different parts that you can play a role um, in loving on um, this population. But this has been something that I have been super pumped about because it just opens doors for everything from the church members to say, I can share this life skill set with this population. I can put on gloves and serve some pizza. I can sit and be, um, I can hang out with the teens. Um, Rick, I know you mentioned the other day, it's really not complicated. Um, the church, as somebody who loves the Lord, you are just going to immediately show light and love to teens that are not necessarily exposed to that on a daily basis. And I would, I would continue your conversation, your thoughts by saying our church, much like you know, any other prospective churches that would consider this have members that are chomping at the bit, ready to get in to serve. Maybe they don't feel like their stage of life allows them to adopt or, or to have foster children in their home, but they're ready to serve. I can tell you walking into the monthly IL classes, the IL meetings, there's a sense of excitement and there's certainly a sense of urgency. Hurry, I like how, how you were very clear on, you know, this ministry is to equip students as they transition to young adulthood and we have a limited window of time we want to do the best we can to help them um, be prepared for, for what's next um, Aaron and I talk about this all the time it's a community effort and who better than the church to fulfill the call that's very clear in the scripture for us to step up and serve and so it's it's been a real blessing and and uh, I echo what Brent said it's been a great experience for me to be a part of this you know, Jason, I, I love what, you know, just what you what you said about that, that it's like this really is so much about just the ministry of presence and and about the, you know, the, the connections that are formed by by just, you know, being with and, and beginning to do life with, you know, with these young adults and, and emerging young adults. I, the, you know, we're like we're, we're airing all of our community stuff today. And so in the interest of full disclosure, um, aside from Herbie, we're all in the same Sunday school class as well. <laughs> It just feels like old home week on the podcast this week, you know, this week. But, but, I, but, I, but honestly, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it's, it hadn't been long ago. Um, there was something that happened in our Sunday school class that I, I think that's worth noting. And it was, it was subtle. And I don't think most of the people in there even realized it. Um, but one of the teams from Heritage Builders uh, came and, and came with a couple that she's connected to in, uh, you know, through Heritage Builders and came and was a part of our, you know, our small group on, on Sunday morning. And I thought that was pretty remarkable because she was just as comfortable as she could be in a, in a group of, you know, um, people whose ages are none of your business, but we were not her age. Um, right. Like it was, a, it was a group of people that are, you know, old enough to be your parents. And, and yet she was, you know, she was connected and comfortable and, and, uh, and, and had, had strong relationships with, you know, with many of the people that she was there in the room with. And I, I think that was, um, you know, that was, that was important. And so I, you know, I'd love to know, you know, Jason, just like what, what drew you in the beginning, aside from the fact that Aaron told you you had to, right? But what drew you in the beginning? I'm kidding. Um, to, to really want to spend time with these, you know, with these kids. What was what was the thing that, that just really kind of, um, you know, drew your heart into it? A couple of things. One, I was stopped in my tracks hearing about the potential or likely outcomes of this population. Um, so 
Like once you hear that, once you see that as a Christ follower, you can't just turn the page and move on, right? It, it calls you to respond in a certain way. Second of all, I'm just an average guy. I wish I were skilled in counseling like like Brent and, and Aaron's ability to, to really connect with people. I'm not, but, but yeah, I saw this as an opportunity to, to be present, um, to lend what, what skills I may be able to offer, you know, these, these youth and it wasn't difficult. It's not difficult. Um, so I'm also a dad. And so as I think about equipping and sending off, you know, our children into adulthood, what a terrifying thought, you know, th- that there could be others that have not been given, you know, all practical tips, resources, and the chance to engage in meaningful relationships. How, how can I not be involved in this? That's a great question, Rick. And, and it immediately just um, introduces the thought of where maybe there has been a feeling of hopelessness, that there is, there is going to be hope. There is hope. Um, and I think that, uh, one of the things that could be maybe a misconception about, um, having a role as, you know, if, if your church was to, to do this program, having to have a background in marriage and family therapy or be a counselor or be a social worker, like really what I do at the end of the day there is just listen and give feedback and show a sense of genuine care to what they have been through. As you're talking about with generational cycles, that can maybe be a language that some of you who are listening are not as familiar with, but just this idea that if change doesn't happen, whatever happened in their childhood, they may implement it into the next generation in their own family because they may just not know how to do it any differently. And so this is how it was done for them. This is what's going to happen in their family. And there can be different extremes of that. But um, obviously, when a person comes to know the gospel and know Jesus, their life is not just better. It is completely transformed and changed. And that right there will cut that cycle of dysfunction and, um, and grief and loss and all of the things that may have been in their childhood that hasn't passed down. And it can just come to a, come to a stop. You know, I've seen that over and over again. Um, and just in lives, you know, that you encounter where they've come to know the gospel and the generation has been broken and it is so powerful to watch. And so I do believe that having conversations, again, you don't have to be a counselor or therapist to begin to make this happen. These generational cycles change because all you're doing is listening, speaking into as you would anybody else's life. The Holy Spirit's going to work through you and you are going to be able to just show the love of Christ to this, to this teen. And you know, there's whatever that whole idea or saying about, we all have a God-sized hole in our heart and it's like, they're, they don't know it, but that is what they're craving and needing the most is the love of the Lord in their lives. And so all of a sudden, when that starts to happen, things change, right? And, and lives are permanently forever changed. So I guess I, I I would just encourage people to think about that, that it doesn't take any certain special skills or, or completely understand generational cycles, but just that you have a relationship with the Lord and you believe that your life has been changed and it will just, the Holy Spirit will guide you in these conversations. And I don't know, Jason, you know, if you feel the same way, but I have not had an encounter yet where it wasn't being, you know, the discussion became, you know, shut down. I mean, they at least just want to talk about it and, Um, And so it, you know, it's really neat that this is an avenue to be able to have conversations 
with a population that is in such need of this. It's incredible. And then Brent, I, I'd love for you just to talk about the same, like, how are you drawn into this? But, but even more than that, what are some specific conversations or ways that you've been able to incorporate even the gospel drawn into it by the need, but able to really speak gospel influence into the lives of these kids? One of the things that I did when I was practicing as a marriage family therapist, it was probably my favorite part was to lead groups of teenagers. And I know that that's probably unusual to love <laughs> groups of teenagers at a time, even middle schoolers. I do love middle schoolers too, but there's something about group dynamics that are powerful because people begin to like hear, Oh, I can relate to that. Or you felt that way too. And it's like, it's like this little popcorn. It's just like popping around and everybody starts to get energy and starts connecting with each other. And it's just like one of the best things to be a part of a group where they start to get each other and they start to understand. And Erin and Jason can attest to this, but oftentimes we may be in the middle of a life skills, you know, moment. And, but they're really teaching each other. Like they, I put some stuff out there and just the fact that they can say, well, have you ever thought about this? Or, you know, I felt that way too. You could try this technique to work through your anger next time. Like it's, it's really cool to just watch how groups can come together and the fact that we can get all of these um, different older, you know, teens into the same space and have this experience is really wonderful to be a part of. Um, one of the things that we talked about um, in these um, healthy relationship groups was just the difference, like just defining what maybe somewhat, I guess, basic to us um, could be like a life changing moment for them to hear that a certain behavior or a certain response is not okay. You know, that defining this behavior is not something that you, you know, need to put up with or that, um, or that means you're unloved, you know? And, and so just kind of having the moment to be educational, but also to um, have empathy from others in that group um, setting. I know Aaron, one of my favorite times was when we were talking about the, um, just, just this idea of like having a 24 hour period where if they got really upset about something to not respond for 24 hours. And I remember several of them were like, I don't know if I can agree to that. You know, I don't know if I can do it. But in the end, after, after we were done, you know, they all were like, we're willing to consider it. And so it was just neat, even within our time frame in their small groups, because Jason um, is a part of this, of course, with the small groups and the guys and he, they're talking with each other outside the big group, you know, can we do this? Can we not? And so it was just neat by the end to have watched them think about things in a way that maybe they had not yet. And to your point, Herbie, I think that just this idea of self-worth, you know, that whole concept that they were made for a purpose and that God loves them regardless of what has been done to them or what they have done. I think a lot of them can come in there and think something I have done may prevent me from being worthy of God's love. Um, and so I think just being able to set the record straight and have these either small group moments, big group moments, um, some of the volunteers may before or after have conversations like this where they can assure these young adults that regardless, you've been made for a purpose and God loves you and we're here to help you understand that more and friends you know kind of one of the things i'd love to hear and, and of course i know the uh, i know the answer before i ask it but i think what folks they're listening they love the, the theory they love what's going on what, what are some some life changes that you've already seen in the participants what are conversations maybe that you've had what are curiosities or just a, a change that you've seen in some of these youth um that, that you can testify so, so jason brent even aaron like what, what, are, what are some of the fruits so far uh, in a short time that you've already seen from this ministry I'll be glad to start. Um, one one key um, really piece of evidence that we have been able to see is that when the church doors first opened up to this population, and, and truly I think people coming through the doors from the outside and people that were standing inside the church were both kind of nervous, right? Because it was it was a first and, and it felt a little risky and, and how was this going to play out and that type of thing. And so what we have watched through, you know, being consistent month to month with a 
consistent base of volunteers and an intention to learn names and an intention to look people in the eye. And as Brent and Jason have said so clearly to listen and to care and to take the time every time now, as they enter the teens, enter those church doors, they come with their heads up. They come ready to make eye contact. They anticipate hearing their name spoken. Um, and so that alone to me is, um, is just, again, just proof of the Lord making the way for us to connect human to human. Let me say that one of just the best surprises for me, because I am relatively new to working with teens in foster care, I'm much like any of you would be in the church, um, is that uh, there is so much potential brimming in each student that comes. And yes, we are so clear with our messages of self-worth and undergirding those messages with scripture. So it's so important. You are worthwhile. You are brave. You do have a hope and a future. Um, but it is so important for us to undergird that with scripture and to look them in the eye, get to know them, and for them to start feeling comfortable within the setting of a church and for that to be considered a safe place and a place where they can come and they can relax, they can learn, they can be known and seen and heard. And so for me, that has been one of the best things also, and that they're brimming with potential and they have so much to offer. Also, the other is to see how the church, as both Brent and Jason have said, have just People have just come from all corners of our congregation, and that has been true in multiple churches, but it is just, just pulling. God is assembling a team of volunteers, and he promises to go before us and to do that and kind of prepare that ground so that when you hear of an action step, you hear of a way of ministry, then your congregation just rises up to the occasion and says, yes, I can do that. I, I'm very great at hospitality, and I can greet. I'm, I don't mind serving the Chick-fil-A nuggets. You know, I don't mind running a small group discussion. Um, and it's just been fascinating and so affirming to see this is so much bigger than a human plan or, you know, any wisdom that we may have. Or This is God orchestrating a ministry for a need to be met by the church. And so it is just with marvel and gratefulness that just deep appreciation that we are just standing astounded at what God is doing by raising up his church and just a plethora of people to step into uh, working with these unique, wonderfully gifted, loving teens who just need the love of the church. And isn't that a beautiful aspect of the, the broader church that we all bring different skills, personalities to the table, which are going to connect with different um, students that are that are in front of us there. Um, so it is it's a it's a wonderful thing to see that play out. And so, um, yes, the, the ultimate goal, we're sharing the hope. You know, we're, we're being present and the church is, you know, is they're stepping into the call. So it's uh, I, I'm very thankful that I married up and, and Aaron has, has opened my eyes to, you know, to this great need. And to this wonderful opportunity for the church. And I'm excited as, as other churches are exposed to this opportunity because I know they're ready to be unleashed. I know they are. And, and what a blessing that will be to the community of, of youth and foster care. Um, the high, there are high turnover rates within CPS right now. 80%, 90%, 
very common on the frontline workers. And so as hard a reality that is for the teens that are really languishing in that type of environment, that type of system, it also is presenting a tremendous open door for the church to step forward. And so it's not as intimidating as it may appear to be. And really the time is now. There is quite the urgency. So first, please, please pray. Pray is the number one way you're going to approach this ministry. It was how it was created. You heard Rick talk about for, I think, seven years before I even knew that God wanted me to go in this direction. Lifeline had been praying. So please, please, please pray. Second is to know that Lifeline has spent time, lots of time, and very intentional effort to learn best practices. And so there are tools that have been designed specifically to help your church um, reduce the intimidation factor of recruiting volunteers, of helping equip them for that frontline work, for conversations, for leading these life skills classes, for becoming mentors or advocates, stepping into a one-on-one relationship with these youth. There is training um, that talks about trauma and foster care and all the context to help you feel confident in stepping into this role. So also just have that knowledge that as you're praying, that you don't have to create anything, that Lifeline is ready, that Heritage Builders is ready to provide you with that and to prepare you well so that you will be set up for success and that you can begin building those bridges and those relationships with CPS, with group homes, and then wonderfully with the teens themselves in foster care. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.